You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. We're going to continue our series from the life of David, the heart of the king. And today we're going to talk about the strength of a friend. And as I begin to think about this passage and and having it relate to this moment, this moment of rededication, I begin to see that as always, God was on duty and on time and brought us the word that we needed for a day such as this. Today we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verses 14 through 18. So if you will, please stand with me as we stand upon the solid rock of God's word and hear this story from the life of David. And in particular, you'll notice today that we're focusing on the relationship between David and Jonathan. All right. Another relationship of David here with a child of Saul. Michael was last week and we saw the negativity in that, but here we see nothing but the positive. The only negative thing is, is where we're starting today is the very last time that David and Jonathan on this earth, in this world, were able to be together. And I want you to hear the heart of Jonathan and David. Verse 14, and David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. Verse 15 says, David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, do not fear For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. And David remained at Horesh, and Jonathan went home. And what's sad is, is that in this instance, literally, he went home to to where he lived. But we know that very soon he will die in battle and go home to be with the Lord. This is a heavy passage, but it should be heavy hitting to our hearts. Let's pray. God, speak and move and help us to see the strength that surrounds us. Literally, the brothers and sisters in Christ that are in the seats in front of us, behind us, and to our left and to our right even up in the balcony. What a good thing to know, Lord, that we are not alone in this journey, that you give us a call and you put people around us to help accomplish that call. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you have good friends in your life, I don't care what the numbers are in your bank account, you are rich indeed. To have a good friend is one of the great blessings in life. I, I love this passage and I'll go ahead and say it at the beginning here. I don't think he's in the room right now, but, but my Jonathan over the years, as many of you know, his, his name is not Jonathan, it's Johnny. Uh, Brother Johnny has been such a friend to me and in many ways has shown me the power of friendship and truly my life has been enriched because of him and his ministry to me. But I want you to realize that God puts these individuals in your life and in the church for the purpose of the kingdom. We're talking about friendship today, but not just friendship that makes you feel better about yourself and the world, but friendship that is real, uh, actually more akin to what we would call discipleship. We want friends, yes, but we want friends that help us grow closer to Jesus. The strength of a friend is important because we're going to face trials in life. And when we have the strength of a friend, we can get through those greatest trials and still grow and grow in grace and in the glory of God. 
I want to just put in your mind the sadness of this, of this passage. I have to start in a sad place so that we can go to a more happy place. But here in this passage, it is so sad to watch Jonathan and David have this last embrace. Jonathan is, is, is not planning on dying. I don't think anybody ever plans to die. He says, David, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be by your side when you become king. That's his hope and his confidence. But we know that on the Mount of Geboa, he will perish alongside his father. When David hears of this, listen to this, to show you how deep the love was between Jonathan and David. David says, how the mighty have fallen in the midst of battle. In 2 Samuel 1, we hear these words. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. He says, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. This is the lament of a friend. And in many ways, Jonathan, I think, can help us see not just what friendship is about, but really what Christ-centered friendship is about, what discipleship is about, really just learning to love one another and love God with all of our hearts. I want to say this to you. When we look at this passage, we are reminded that, that Jonathan is going to die for the sins of his father, in a, in a sense. Jonathan is serving the Lord. He's serving the, the Lord's anointed one in David. But because of his faithfulness, even to his father, he ends up losing his life. Now, I say this to you for this reason. Don't let sin remain in your heart. The lesson that Saul teaches us here as we begin our journey this morning together is, is that if we are not careful, if we remain in sin, we are not just going to hurt ourselves, but we hurt those nearest to us and dearest to us. One of the things I want you to understand this morning as we move through this text is, apart from the grace of Jesus Christ, we are all in grave danger. Apart from the forgiveness and the, and the blood of Jesus, we will die in our sins Now, Jonathan, I believe, was a follower of God, and I believe that one day we will see him and David celebrating in heaven forever. But there was a cost. There was a price for his sin. And so today, know that and know that only by bringing your sins to Jesus and nailing them to the cross can you find forgiveness. But friends, as we think about this friendship, there is something here to teach us and to guide us and to instruct us. And I believe that as we move forward today, as we rededicate our hearts to the purpose of the kingdom, to reaching our neighbors and the nations, we need to realize that the strength of the church is directly proportional to the strength of gospel partnerships and friendships within it. We need solid gospel friendships because we have a great work to do. We need to have deep faith in Jesus, but we also have to have deep faith to put our trust in our our neighbors, our friends, our co-laborers in Christ. We have to believe that God has brought us here together for a reason and for a purpose. We need each other. We are not here by accident. God has a plan. So let's grow in our relationship with Jesus and let's grow in our relationship with one another. Our passage shows us how to do that. First, let's meditate for a few moments on a friend's love and how it makes us stronger. David was at one of the weakest points in his life. We have been talking the last several weeks about how David has been out in the wilderness and running here and there and living in caves and trying to avoid uh, the chaos that Saul's uh, kingship had brought, not only to the land, but to David's family. And so he has been a fugitive out in the desert. 
And in this moment, it's, it's just very clear that he's at the end of his rope. When you don't have a place to lay down your head every night, when you don't have any security, when things aren't normal, and we've had just a taste of that in the COVID age, where we're not able to go to work like we're used to or go to school like we're used to, just that little bit shows you how when you get out of your element, it can be so hard. Imagine how hard it was for David. His life was not easy. And to make matters worse, we see these names and they mean nothing to us today here in Southwest Missouri, that, that, that proper noun Ziff, what does that mean? Well, basically he's in this region that's pretty close to where his family uh, uh, was and where he grew up. In a sense, this area of Ziff is extended kinfolk. Even they are now on Saul's side, it seems. And even they are causing trouble for David. He is literally in trouble every which way he turns. Now, one lesson that we learn here is when we determine to follow Jesus, when we allow the anointing touch of Jesus into our lives, what happens then is, is not that everything goes according to plan. Usually that's when chaos comes. The anointed one of God here is David and he's anointed in a way that you and I aren't. But nonetheless, there's something instructive here. When we choose to follow God in his will, the world is not going to cooperate. We are going to have difficulties. And this is why we need the strength of a friend. Jonathan was that friend. Look at verse 17 of our primary passage here, 1 Samuel 23, and you'll see Jonathan comes and says, do not fear. Jonathan takes the time to remind David of his calling from God. What a great friend. Jonathan knew that he was not going to be in line for the king, uh, kingship. He knew that David was the next one in line. That is a powerful, poignant thing to grasp here. Here is the son of the king saying, I'm not going to be king. God has proven and shown that you are going to be king. Now that is a great friend. That's a friend who acknowledges the work of God in someone else, who doesn't need to try to steal it or to, or, or to try to usurp it in any way. No, Jonathan was willing to say, David, you are the man and I want to be by your side. I want to be a warrior for you and for God. That's powerful. What a great friend. Especially when you realize at this moment, David felt alone. Now, I am here to tell you, if you're going to serve Jesus and do your best to be obedient to the call, the anointing of the spirit in your life, you're going to have these days where it feels like you're all alone. But if you are blessed, you will have a person or two in your life that will be there to tell you, don't forget who you are. Don't forget your calling. Don't forget that God has a great plan. When we listen to those voices of our friends who are also in the spirit, that's when we become stronger. A friend is willing to sacrifice and to give as Jonathan does here. In this last meeting, Jonathan just humbles himself before David. Great friends are exactly that. They're humble. They humble themselves before one another so that each person can be the very best that they can be. It's clear here in verse 18 that, that Jonathan loves David, that he will even give his life for David. It reminds me of what Jesus says in John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. 
Ultimately, Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of that and that he laid down his life for us. But when we love one another in the church, we have a a similar type of love that we are brothers and sisters in Christ and that we will do anything for one another, that we are here for each other. How can we rededicate our lives, church? How can we really make a difference and a dent in lostness around us? Well, it begins by us joining arm in arm by saying that we are in it together that we are so much stronger when we cooperate, when we put aside our desires. Like Jonathan, he could have been king, but he puts that aside so that he can be most used of God. Ridgecrest, it's not about you fulfilling or flowering in your ministry. What it really is about is God's kingdom going forth and each of us playing our part. And I believe that God wants us to be strong in the Lord and we can only do that together. So whose life are you making stronger through such friendships? Are there people in this church that you are are meeting with regularly to either grow as a disciple or to be a discipler? Because that's how we get stronger. I hear people talk all the time about how they want to see people come to know Christ. And listen, that's a process. We have to invest a lot of time into people, pouring love into them. But we need to also pour love into one another. We need to encourage one another. Life can be tough. Ask David, when you're in the wilderness of Ziph, when everybody's after you, you need a friend. Jonathan was that friend for David. People in this church need to know that we are willing to lay down our lives for each other. We need to know that. We need to have that kind of confidence that when we come here, we are brothers and sisters in Christ and we are willing to do whatever it takes to fulfill the plan of God. Make this church stronger. Rededicate to loving well and to making your friendships stronger for the glory of Jesus. Our next point is this. A friend sticks close when things are sticky. Let me put it to you this way. If you want to serve Jesus it's going to get messy real quick. If you are trying to push back darkness, darkness is going to push back on you. To try to help people who are hurting and lost in their sins is messy, sticky business. From the start, Saul was the fly in the ointment for David and Jonathan's friendship. From the beginning of their friendship, there was jealousy in Saul's heart. Now, David saw this right away and he had this really subtle hint. He knew that he, he wasn't liked by Saul because Saul tried to pin him to the wall with a spear. That's a subtle hint that somebody doesn't like you. Subtle. So he knew this. But here's what's interesting. Jonathan seems to be just one of those individuals that thinks the best of people. And Saul had not been real clear with his heart about where he stood with David. And so Jonathan still held out hope that Saul would see in David what Jonathan saw in David. And so in chapter 20, and we don't have time to really go over it today, but but in chapter 20, you see this conversation between David and Jonathan. And David says, you know, your dad wants to kill me. Well, how do you know that? Well, he tried to pin me against the wall with a spear. Well, that's not that bad, Jonathan might say. Now, now sometimes we can be a little too optimistic as friends. And David says, you know, just watch what happens when I don't show up for dinner. See if he gets a little upset. So long story short, David doesn't show up for dinner. Saul says, where's David? Jonathan says, who knows? Maybe he had a, a sacrifice to make or something like that. Saul sees through that and says, you know, son, you're no good. You're with him, not with me. And then another one of those subtle indicators that Saul was not quite right. He threw a spear at his own son. 
I think even Jonathan, with all of his optimism, knew, hmm, it looks like dad doesn't like David. Right there, he had all the evidence that he needed. And in chapter 20, there's this really poignant and sad moment where Jonathan has to say to David, listen, I love you, but my dad doesn't love you. And I understand that you're gonna have to go out into the wilderness for a while. Just know this, I am with you. I am with you. Now, think about this. This is an important lesson for us today. Jonathan and David, their, their ministry, uh, their, their friendship, and I think their ministry, what could have been their ministry, was built on this understanding that life is messy. That trying to do the work and the will of God doesn't always put us in the most ideal circumstances. You know, leading people, and I'm seeing this not just as a leader in the church, but as a leader in the denomination the last two years, leading people is so hard. It is so frustrating. I know it's time for me to no longer be the president of the Missouri Baptist Convention because it's just getting a little agitating to me. Now, I don't say that to brag. I'm telling you this weekend, I have realized I have got to get my heart right. And I, I sometimes forget that to try to be where God wants us to be, it doesn't mean things go well. It means we need to be ready for sticky situations. We need to be ready for conflict. It's hard. But if we have Jonathans in our lives, then we are able to make it. Because listen to this, a true friend, Proverbs eighteen twenty four tells us, sticks closer than a brother. So when things get sticky, We need a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And this passage points ultimately to Jesus. So here's where we get the best of both worlds. We have Jesus who sticks closer to us than a brother. And then we also have brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need to model our friendships and relationships on that relationship that Jesus has with us. As Jesus draws into us, as he helps us through sticky situations, he's calling us to do the same in our church and with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Ministry is a difficult thing to do. But when you have a Jonathan who is saying, as Jesus would later say, not my will, but thy will be done. Here's a man who gives up the kingship. That's God's will, not his. His heart would have sought power. His heart would have sought glory. But because his heart sought God, he was able to be a friend to David, the anointed one. It's simply this. Serving people in a sinful world will get us in sticky situations. But when you have a friend close by, you can overcome whatever problem you face. We need people who are fighting for Christ, fighting for us. People who stick close to us when the world gathers its armies to attack the church. Church, we don't need to be angry. You know, it's an election year, so basically we're gonna see a lot of Christians getting mad for one reason or another. People saying it's not fair. The media is not fair. Uh, This isn't fair. That isn't fair. And it may be true. But what the world needs to see is that though we're concerned about what's going on in the world, our first love is for Jesus. Then we love each other. And that's what gives us the ability with smiles on our face and joy in our hearts to share the gospel with a lost and dying world. It is easy to be agitated with sinners. But don't forget, you're a sinner saved by grace. That's the difference. Saved by grace. You're a sinner. So don't forget that. You are dependent upon the grace of Jesus Christ and so are they. We come together and we grow together so that we can reach out together into lostness, bringing people out of darkness and into the light. We need to be fully surrendered to Jesus because it will get sticky. It will be messy. So rededicate, listen to me, church, rededicate your heart to messy ministry. And the only way you can do that is to rededicate one to another. 
Finally, we see that a good friend helps us draw, draw closer to God. It's good to have a good close friend, but it doesn't get any better when we have good friends that help us love Jesus more. Your heart is always straying from your love for Jesus. Every morning you get up, there will be a thought, there will be an image, there will be something in your life that is a tool of the enemy to draw you away from God. To grow in your love for Jesus is no easy task and no one can do it alone. If you want to love Jesus more, you have to love the church more. And this is where it gets interesting. Now, I I hope that those who are at home and still feel that it's not time to come back to worship, understand, I completely get that. This is not to be mean to anyone in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But one of the things that I'm seeing in terms of how the church, not just ours, but churches everywhere are struggling is because without meeting together, these friendships are not being developed as they normally would be. Those frustrations that we're facing in life, we seem to be facing them more alone than we've ever had to do before. That's a big deal. Don't underestimate it. Let me say this. If you've been struggling in your faith, I mean, in a way that you've never have the last five months, realize that one of the reasons why is because we have had community stripped from us in a way that we've never had in our lives. We have had two good crowds here today and it thrills my heart, but it doesn't thrill my heart just because I like preaching to a room full of people. I had plenty of days in this quarantine where I was basically the only one in this room. There was like less than 10 of us. That was just crazy. That's not the way it's supposed to be. I'm glad you're here, but what I'm excited about is that we are together because we need that. And if you're feeling like there's something wrong that maybe the, the, the devil's making you feel like you're not a good Christian right now or you're, you're, you're truly sinning in some way, do you realize if you're at home right now and you haven't been able to come to church because of health or, or concerns of some nature, realize that you are very vulnerable right now. It's okay to say right now, I need help, I need friendship, call us, uh, come to us, connect with us somehow so that we can encourage you. It's not a perfect situation, but we need each other. And I think we see that now. We need to draw closer to God and fellowship and friendship is how that happens. Saul can't find David, but I think it's interesting that Jonathan can. Jonathan can find him because Jonathan's heart is true and David knows that. I mean, if we're thinking about the machinations of politics, the last person David would want to see is the heir of of Saul. But if we're looking at this as a God thing, David knows that Jonathan is the person that he needs most in this moment. He knows that he will be encouraged. And the book of Hebrews tells us this, that we are to encourage one another as long as it is called today. What great power there is in encouragement. Let me show you some of the ways that a great friend can truly encourage us. Let me give you three quick pointers here to think about, not just so you can know what great friendship looks like, so that, but so that you can be a great friend as well. One, a great friend reminds us of our true calling. When we have a great friend, they are helping us remember who we are. If we go back to the text, Jonathan is clear, you shall be king over Israel. He reconfirms what David already knows, but when you're in the wilderness and you've been running for your life, you need to be reminded who you are. There have been times in my life where I've needed that. 
It's been difficult. I, I felt the call to ministry at age 15 and then decided that I was going to go get a, a, a medical degree, be an MD. And I'm going to tell you, I tried to convince myself that that was God's will. But actually what it was, was a calculation that usually on average, medical doctors make more money than preachers, usually. And so I was thinking more in terms of my future security, more materialistic, more in this world. And it took people around me to say, that's not who you are. I could do it. But that wasn't my calling. I needed people to remind me. And I want to tell you this. Throughout the years, there have been moments where I have doubted this calling. When you get up and you preach in front of people every week since you're, well, I've been doing this since age 19. So that's, you know, 26 years of doing this. And I'm going to tell you a lot of those sermons have, have fallen even more flat than this one. Okay. There have been many times where I've walked out on a Sunday saying, I better never do this again. This is a bad idea. Okay. Um, but I've had people encourage me and I, I alluded to Johnny earlier, you know, Johnny Patterson has been one of those people who just won't let me forget who I am. When I started to, to think about doing something else, you know, I thought, gosh, I'll, I'll go off to a, to a seminary somewhere and be a librarian or something like that, where I can just hide in a corner. I love books. I can just go hide out or maybe be a professor and pop out every once in a, a while and, 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 you know, uh, be a, the bane of existence of young students. My dad was a professor for a long time and they loved him. He was kind and gracious. He gave them all kinds of opportunities to get their work in. I would fail you if you were late. I would be the teacher you would avoid. Let me tell you why. Because for 26 years, I have a paper due every Sunday morning called a sermon. And if I showed up and didn't have it ready, I wouldn't be your pastor very long. So if I'm going to teach you in seminary, you better show up with your homework done. I'm just kidding you guys. So here I am beating you up with the word of God this morning. I don't mean to be that way, but anyway, we need people reminding us who we are because sometimes we want to run the other direction. We want to do our own thing. It's good to have a friend that says, no, remember who you are. A great friend reminds us that we are in God's sovereign hand. That's so important because sometimes in life, it just looks like we're failing. But the truth is, great friends are going to tell us, no, God is still at work in your life. And finally, a great friend will always remind us that our strength is in the Lord. I can't disciple one person in my own strength. I can't evangelize one person in my own strength. I can't minister in the name of Jesus in my own strength, but I don't need my own strength. I have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in me. In this passage here, David doesn't need new data. He just needs to be reminded of who he is and what his calling is. And the close relationship between Jonathan and David provides an outlet for God to speak to him and to help him. Every moment you spend with brothers and sisters in Christ is a moment that you could be drawn closer to God. Let me tell you, our hearts are truly battlefields. I referenced this earlier in that little talk I gave you at the beginning. Our hearts are battlefields and some days we lose. Some days we're wounded and wounded deeply. I believe a friend is kind of like a medic in the army. We go and we get patched up. There may be scars, but we continue to live. You will not serve Jesus and go through life without scars. You will do things right. You will do what's best for people. You will humble yourself and you will be hurt. The devil will tell you that because of your being hurt, that you shouldn't do it anymore, that somehow you did it wrong, that somehow you were disobedient. Well, he's a liar and the truth is not in him. If doing good 
leads to good things, then explain to me the cross of Jesus Christ. For we follow and love one who for being perfect was nailed to a tree. But through that perfect sacrifice, you and I don't have to have our sins held against us on that great judgment day. Our hearts are a battlefield. We need to rededicate every moment. We need to prepare. This word of God is a powerful, life-changing force. But what's even more amazing is when this word is, is changing our hearts and we are able to minister to one another out of this word. That's how it works. The word and our witness working together is a powerful combination. These passages that I've read to you, some that I've alluded to, are again at a time in David's life when he needed a friend. I know that many of you in this difficult season, you need to be reminded that you have friends. The people here in this room and the people who are a part of this church, we love you and you matter to us. And we want you to grow and to know more of Jesus. The strength of a friend will put a song in your heart. You see, I believe that David's friendship with Jonathan was truly life-changing. This moment, this episode in his life, I think there are two Psalms that directly connect to this season of David's life. I'll have the text behind me here, but if you wanna open your Bibles to Psalm 54, I wanna read from two Psalms, just a few verses in each Psalm. And I want you to see how Jonathan's friendship helped David to not just get over a hard time, but to look unto God as his salvation. Psalm 54, O God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. Oh, church, can you say that? O God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. Selah. But verse four, behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. David wrote this again when he was in the wilderness of Ziph, when he was being hunted like an animal, but a friend named Jonathan helped him to look to God and to call out for salvation. He was reminded that he had a helper in God. Now, Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. When you're in the wilderness, the heat and that which is dry saps the very water out of your body, makes you thirsty. I wonder how many of you this morning are realizing that this season has been a wilderness season, that this time has been dry and you have felt your vital force, your energy sapping away. I hope you have good friends that are here to encourage you, but I want you to know you have the ultimate friend in Jesus. David, when he got in trouble, and he got in trouble a lot, sometimes it wasn't his fault, many times it was. But what made David so special is when he needed help, he said, God, you are my savior. 
And if any of you here this morning do not know God as your Savior, well, this is your chance. This is your opportunity. You need a friend. You need Jesus. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us, or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.